This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, Some problems are hard, but it is a mistake to confuse hard problems with problems unlikely to be solved. Problems are soluble, and each particular evil is a problem that can be solved. End quote. Now that is professor and author David Deutsch. David Deutsch was born May 18, 1953, in Haifa, Israel. He's a physicist and a visiting professor at the University of Oxford's Center for Quantum Computing. He is the founder of the discipline of quantum computing and its fundamental idea, which is the quantum bit or qubit. And I won't go into details on quantum computing. There are other podcasts that can do a far better job of that. And after all, that's not the point of this podcast. But it's a fascinating subject area. So if you're so inclined, I encourage you to go take a look and see what you find out there because it is something that is new and cutting edge and wildly challenging and and a little bit difficult to wrap your head around. So it's the perfect challenge for somebody who enjoys this podcast to go sink their teeth into, but not until we finish the episode. So stepping back to David, he was awarded the 2021 Isaac Newton Prize for his contributions to quantum computing. He's also the author of two books. The first is The Fabric of Reality, which he released in 1997, and where today's quote originates, The Beginning of Infinity, which he released in 2011. And in the book, The Beginning of Infinity, he cites the Enlightenment as the beginning of a purposeful creation of knowledge with essentially no end in sight, and as a very quick primer on the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment was a period of time in the 17th and 18th centuries in Europe, and it was a movement built around the ideas of reason and individual happiness and evidence of the senses and a separation of church and state. It was essentially a departure from a predominantly mythical, mystical, godlike hold on everything around you. Prior to the Enlightenment, it was not uncommon to believe that the reason that people were sick was because of spirits, let's say, or because humors, their humors, were out of balance. Uh, There is no scientific basis for either of those things, but that was what was largely believed prior to the Enlightenment. After the Enlightenment, that's when you start to see people looking into reasons why people get sick, and that's where this is before the germ theory of disease and things of that nature. So the Enlightenment kind of marked a point in the timeline of humanity where these things started to change. We started to look, this is where you see scientific reasoning coming into its own. And some of the great thinkers of the day, the Isaac Newtons and the Galileos and the Niels Bohr's and the et cetera, et cetera, are all post-Enlightenment figures. And as Deutsch points out in his book, the universe is full of problems and challenges and hurdles and various things that stand in our way of making forward progress. And Deutsch argues that unless they're prohibited by the laws of physics, they are solvable, or soluble as he calls them in the, in the quote. They are solvable given enough knowledge. And the reason that we haven't solved all the world's problems is largely based around the fact that we don't have sufficient knowledge 
in order to do so. And this attitude is actually what drives you and I in day-to-day pursuits. If we didn't believe that we could overcome the challenges in front of us and just needed a little bit more of something or a little bit extra of that, we wouldn't do anything. And more broadly, this is applied applicable to science and knowledge as a whole. Or phrased another way, very little is actually impossible. But some things are wickedly hard. And some very interesting problems have remained unsolved for hundreds and hundreds of years. And where my mind goes as an engineer and a scientist is to some of the some of the mathematical challenges that have been out for for hundreds of years, unsolved, despite countless man hours of time and effort to solve them. One of them being the Goldbach conjecture. You may have heard of this, you may not. The Goldbach conjecture says that all positive integers, meaning all numbers greater than all whole numbers greater than zero can be written as the sum of two prime numbers. And remember, a prime number is just a number that is only divisible by the number one and itself. So five is a good example of this. Five is not divisible by anything other than one or five. And the conjecture of Goldbach, which is is interesting for a reason I'll touch on here in a moment, basically says that every number, theoretically anyway, greater than zero, can be written as the sum of just two prime numbers. So let's look at the first few numbers that we can count. We'll skip over one and two because those are individually prime numbers, but three is the next number. Three is the sum of the numbers one and two, both of which are prime. What about the number four? Well, the number four is the sum of two and two, which is also a prime number. Five is the sum of two and three, which are both prime numbers. Six is the sum of three and three, which is a prime number. Seven is two plus five, which are both prime numbers. Eight is five plus three, which are both prime numbers, and on and on and on. And we can keep going. And that's the idea is it's one thing to say that, and I can sit here and I could probably go through those all the way up through a hundred and maybe more, but you have to be able to prove it for the Goldbach conjecture to be proven. You have to be able to prove that this is true for all numbers greater than zero. And maybe there's one out there that that's not true for. So far, science or mathematicians have proven it way, way out into very, very large numbers. And there's, it's pretty reasonable to assume that it holds true, but you have to prove it. And it hasn't been proven. And what's interesting about this is this came from just a simple note written from Goldbach to Euler in 1742, where he says something along the lines of, it appears that all numbers are simply the sum of two prime numbers. Saying that, putting that out into the world, and it is held for going on uh, going on 300 years now that that problem has yet to be solved. And that's fascinating to me. Another one is that there are no odd perfect numbers, and a perfect number in mathematical parlance is a number that is equal to the sum of its divisors. So, for example, there's there are far fewer of these that we know of, but the number six. Six is divisible by one, Two, three, and obviously six. Well, six is the sum of one, two, and three. The next number after that would be 28. 28 is divisible by one, two, four, seven, 14, and of course 28. Well, 28 is the sum of one, two, four, seven, and 14. Those numbers add up to equal 28. Well, all of the perfect numbers that we know of right now are even numbers. This particular question that is out there in the mathematical world asks if there are any odd 
perfect numbers. And so far, they haven't found any. But so far, they haven't been able to prove that there are none. So until they prove that, this remains unsolved. And so these are just two examples of problems that exist in the world. And there are problems across a variety of disciplines. There are problems in engineering. There's problems in biology. There's problems in chemistry and physics, etc., etc. Hard problems. And in, in you may be saying to yourself, okay, great, Matt. The Goldbach conjecture and odd perfect numbers, great. Two great examples that mean absolutely nothing to me on a daily basis. Agreed. They rarely, if ever, cross my mind. I had to actually go and look up what the Goldbach conjecture was called because I knew the challenge. I could not remember the name of the individual. So that's how often I think about these things. So you may be saying, great, these two things don't matter to me. These problems, whatever. Who cares? Well, let's look at a more practical problem. How about death? Kind of a problem, right? There's a lot of things we want to do in the world. I know there is for me. There probably is for you. And the idea that we have a finite amount of time in which to do it is kind of a problem. So... There is nothing in the natural world, theoretically, from the laws of physics that mandates that we die. So what somebody like David Deutsch would argue is that this is a problem that we can solve. We can solve the problem of death. Well, that's a fascinating idea, isn't it? Sounds like a really hard problem, right? I mean, we all deteriorate over time. We know that our cells, our skin gets saggy, and we know that you know, over time, we start to lose our hearing a little bit and our, our brain function starts to deteriorate. So it's a multifaceted and very challenging problem. But at least, based on Deutsch's definition of a hard problem, this one is not prohibited by the laws of physics from being solved. Cancer is another great example. There are many types of cancer. When people talk about a cure for cancer, that's kind of a misnomer. There are so many types of cancer that it's highly unlikely that there will be one cure for cancer. But maybe. But cancer is a hard problem. Cancers are hard problems is probably a more accurate statement. They're hard problems. But theoretically, they're solvable. This is another example of a problem that has existed for as long as we've been human beings. As long as cells have been replicating themselves, some of them have gone rogue. And sometimes that those rogue cells get out of control and they eat us up from the inside out and we die. Well, theoretically, this is a solvable problem. One that we have thrown trillions of dollars at over the course of human existence across a variety of nations and tens of thousands, if not millions, of doctors and scientists have been working to solve this problem. It is, per Deutsch's definition, solvable. So let me read the quote for you one more time. And this is Deutsch again talking about hard problems. Quote, some problems are hard, but it is a mistake to confuse hard problems with problems unlikely to be solved. Problems are soluble and each particular evil is a problem that can be solved. End quote. This, this quote has one important caveat that is, Deutsch doesn't mention here, but he alludes to it in the book and other places, is that if we all agree with the premise that very few problems are completely unsolvable, and we just need more knowledge, I would argue that the caveat here is that we must also have the knowledge in the right hands to solve the problem. Me possessing the cure for cancer doesn't do a whole lot considering... I'm not a scientist that deals with that. I don't do microbiology and I don't do oncology and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not a researcher in that area. So making sure that that knowledge is in the right place and that it is readily available to those who are able to solve the problem is of paramount importance when it comes to solving the hardest problems. And for me, the reason I like this quote, the reason this quote resonates with me and resonated with me when I read it is that it is a very pure form of optimism, right? It says that there are very, very few limits 
to what we can solve, to the befuddling things that we can overcome. Now, it's important to note that we are not preordained to have that knowledge. It's not just a matter of allowing time to advance enough that we come by that knowledge. We have to work for it. We must labor and toil. And unfortunately, sometimes multiple entire lifetimes are spent before a problem could even maybe be solved because of all the required knowledge that must exist before that. And you can see this in something like Let's say travel to Mars as an example. Well, if we look back to what it takes to go to Mars, we can probably step back to sometime in the 19th century and say that we needed the ability to generate power compactly. Now, in the 19th century, you had coal-fired boilers. Well, coal-fired boiler isn't going to get you to Mars. You need something more dense than that. Well, then we developed the internal combustion engine. That Okay, now we're getting, now we're heading in the right direction. So first you have to generate the power. Then you have to be able to actually fly. There's no chance of getting to Mars if you can't get off the ground. So the, the Wright brothers had to invent or had to discover how to fly. And then that had to be refined over years and years and years. And then you had to be able to leave the atmosphere um, and get out into space, not knowing what was out in space or what wasn't out in space. And then you have to land on a distant moving object. And we did that for the very first time, the United States anyway, in July of 1969, uh, landing on the moon. You have to figure out the fuel situation. You have to then be able to put something out into space, hit a moving target, and do so in a way that allows something to actually land, make contact safely, and not just dent itself into the Martian surface and explode. Um, and interestingly enough, the Russians did this just a couple years after we landed on the moon. They put a probe onto Mars in 1971. Now, if you want to, that, that object only lasted for about 10 seconds before it fried and died, but it was the first thing that was there. So it was shown that we could get things to Mars. Well, then if you want to land and move and actually do something meaningful while you're there, aside from spike the football and say that you made it, you were the first ones. It took until 1997. So 26 additional years later before the United States landed Sojourner on the surface of Mars and conducted any actual movement around on the Martian surface. So all of that time, going back to the 19th century, it took until 1997, almost the turn of the 21st century, before we were actually able to do that. How many people researched, lived, and died and contributed some, in some small way to the knowledge base that was needed to put something on Mars? and actually have it move around and do something. Many, many people, born, researched, died in the intervening years. Many, many people who helped contribute fuel or, or the ability to generate power in a compact form died never knowing that their contributions would help one day put us on Mars. And so goes with any number of problems. How many people have died trying to solve the Goldbach conjecture, trying to prove that conjecture? And on and on and on. And that is sometimes our fate. Our fate is sometimes to make a modest contribution in a way that we will never realize, but it may be generations before it actually comes to fruition. And that's okay. That's part of the contribution to mankind that we each make. So my takeaway, and, and why I like this quote, is the sense of finiteness to problems that it evokes in my mind. The idea that we can overcome problems with effort. So that's my takeaway today, is that 
regardless of how challenging the problems before me may be, they are almost certainly solvable with enough effort, with enough time, and with enough knowledge. So make time, acquire knowledge, and put in the effort, and your problems can be solved as well. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.